All right, good morning. Come on, y'all welcome our online audience as they join in with us this morning. Welcome you guys uh, this morning to New Life Church of Mobile. So happy that you're tuned in with us today. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. I know, you know, this is the day that you're kind of pushing the limit on the leftovers. You know, you got a, a little window that you still have time to eat the leftovers. Sunday is probably like cutoff time where it's like, okay, I think the leftovers are done by now. Then it's time to move over to some salads and some fruits and things of that nature. I know y'all like, no, we're not eating that. We still want Thanksgiving dinner after that. But, uh, but no, hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving with your families. And again, we're excited for you guys to be here with us this morning. And we're in a sermon series. This is week four entitled Foundations. And Foundations is just simply foundational things or principles that each believer should have throughout their entire walk with Jesus Christ. And the first week we talked about forgiveness, how forgiveness is a big deal. You're going to need forgiveness in your journey with Christ. People are going to get on your nerves. People are going to do things that upset you. You're going to need some forgiveness. Second week we talked about joy and how joy, man, joy, we all need joy. Every day we wake up, we have to choose joy. Last week we talked about faith uh, and how we need to remain in faith. And this week, we're going to switch gears, and this is another big uh, foundation, which is devotions. Y'all say devotions. And devotions is a big, big part of our foundations as a believer. But we're going to look through devotions through the life of King Solomon. We're going to look at it through the life of King Solomon. And I know a lot of times when we think about devotions, we think, oh, this is what I should do, read my Bible, pray, worship. I should, these are things that I should do. And that's correct. Those are things that we should do with our devotions. But I believe sometimes we can miss the point of what devotion, devotions can actually do in our everyday life, in every aspect of our life, that devotions play a big part of that. And I want to highlight a few of those things today, like how devotions play a big part in our everyday life. But like, as I mentioned, we're going to look through it through the life of King Solomon. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us, that it comforts us, it leads us, it guides us, it provides for us, it protects us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you open up our spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear what you would have to say today. Let the word fall on good ground this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, again, devotions. We're going to talk about devotions this morning, and I have three key points for you. And again, all the notes are online. You can follow along with that on our app. Download the app. You can follow along. You can see the notes there. But we're going to start off in First uh, Kings chapter uh, 3, verse 5. We will start in verse 5, then we'll read through verse 15. So it's a lengthy passage, but with some good stuff in here. So again, devotions through the life of King Solomon. First Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, you, you show great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, Lord, oh, oh now, Lord, now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, 
but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart. That's key right there. Give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with what Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and not have asked for long life or wealth or death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart. There it is again, understanding heart. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had ever or will ever have. And I will also give you what you didn't ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. Read that again. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized that it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all of his officials to a great banquet. Now, I know there's a lot that I read there, but there were some key things that stood out to me. First thing is that Solomon realized that he was given this great uh, responsibility as king to lead God's people. He said, they're so numerous, they can't even be counted. And then God says, what is your request? What do you want? He says, give me an understanding heart to lead and govern your people. And God says, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. And not only that, because you asked me for wisdom and didn't ask me for riches or fame or to destroy your enemies, I'm going to make you rich and famous. And God gave him those things because he cried out for an understanding heart. So the first thing that I want to highlight today, that what part does our devotions play in our everyday life? This is a big thing. Our devotions play a big part in our humility. Write that down. This is the first point. Devotions play a huge part in our humility. You see, Solomon could have said, you know what? I'm the king now. I'm the man. My, dad, my father David was the king, but guess what? I'm the head honcho in charge now. I'm leading God's people. You see all these people behind me? I'm the one leading them. But he didn't do that. He said, no, God, give me an understanding heart because I need your help. He said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. You see all these people? You can't even, I can't even count them. There's so many, I don't know what to do. Please give me an understanding heart to help me lead these people. And God says, you know what? Because you asked for an understanding heart, I'm going to give it to you. Because in that moment, Solomon realized, I need to humble myself and ask the Lord to give me an understanding heart because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to mess this up. And when it comes to our devotions, what it does every single day is it shows our dependency and reliance on God saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you. God, I need an understanding heart today. And that's why devotions are so important. And the more that you do that each and every day, it builds on your humility. And you come back to God each and every day and say, God, here I am again, just like I was yesterday, asking for an understanding heart. God, here I am today, just like I was three weeks ago, asking for an understanding heart and asking for you to lead me and guide me because I need your help. Devotions bring humility. It brings humility. 
And when we get sidetracked from our devotions, we don't, we don't have a humble heart. We become proud. Because as we go on to read about Solomon, we realize Solomon started off seeking God and asking him for an understanding heart. But some things changed along the way in Solomon's life. And we're going to get to that at the moment. But there were some things that changed in Brother Solomon's heart. And I believe that some of the things that changed was that he began to look at all the greatness that he uh, had achieved. And God did tell him this, I will give you riches and fame like no other person has ever lived before. And I believe that he began to look at all those things and said, you know what? Look at what I have achieved. Look at what I have accomplished. And we could go through life and we could say, man, look what I've achieved. Look where I started from and look where I am right now. Instead of saying, God, thank you for blessing me, we say, I did a great job. And then everybody else around you, oh, you did such a great job. And then it becomes, goes to your head and we become proud. But God says he resists the proud. He resists the proud. So, you know what? That, that, I don't like, that's a, that's a bad stench to God. Uh, get away from me. He resists the proud. And that's what happened to Solomon. He lost his humility. He lost his humility because he got caught up in his achievements. And oh, how easy it is to lose our humility by getting caught up in our achievements and what we've accomplished. You know, I love, this is, I want, God wants everybody to succeed. Obviously, he does because he told Solomon, I'll make you famous, and I'll make you rich and famous. Obviously, God wants us to prosper. God wants, to live us, wants us to live a blessed life. But you ever meet those people that they constantly brag about their achievements and their accomplishments? It's like that's the only thing that they have going for them is what they've achieved. What is that? That's a proud heart. But God says, I resist that, but I favor the humble. Or he looks, he looks down and he takes care of the humble. When you have a humble heart, that just does something to God that says, you know what? I'm going to pour out my blessings on him or her. My child comes to me in a humble heart. I'm going to give them what they ask for because they come to me in humility. And when you go to God in humility, it just does something for God because he says, their heart shows that they're dependent upon me and they're not relying on their own strength or their own abilities, but they're looking solely to me with a humble heart because it takes a humble heart to say, I need help. It takes a humble heart to say, you know what? I need some help because us and ourselves, we don't want people. I don't want people to think that I'm doing bad. I have to put on this image like I'm doing better than what I'm really doing. So if I let people know I'm struggling, they're going to start looking at me funny. But really, the truth is, it's like, no, God is saying, I want to help you, but you have to come with a humble heart. But devotions, when you're constantly going before God each and every day, guess what? It softens your heart. It takes that pride out of your heart, and God begins to deal with it, and he begins to move on your heart. When you're consistent in your devotions, you don't rely on your own wisdom and strength, but, God, but you begin to declare how much you need God with a sincere Heart. That's one of the things I love about devotions. Every day that I go before God, it makes me uh, cry out to him with a sincere heart. With a sincere heart, because God can know when you're sincere and when you're not. When you're just going through the motions, just like you can tell when somebody is sincere with you or not. God does the same thing. He's like, they're not coming to me with a sincere heart. But when you come with a humble heart and a sincere heart, God says, you know what? I want to move with favor on my child. I want to make sure that I'm giving them everything that they need. So the big part that our devotions play in our everyday life is it helps us with our humility. We all need to have a humble heart because I'm telling you, 
If you want to do awesome things for God, you want to be pleasing to God, you have to have a humble heart. Your heart has to be humble. We have to come with humility. Amen? That's the first thing. What part does devotions play in our lives? Humility. That's the first thing. Second thing is found in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 1. Still talking about King Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 1, it says, So Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord, as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do. Then God, then the Lord appeared to him, to Solomon, a second time, as he had done before in Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your petition. So meaning that Solomon had been crying out to God for a while. Because God said, I've heard your prayer and I heard your petition. Meaning that he kept coming back to God, like we should do. When there's things on our heart that we believe in God for or things that are troubling us, we need to continually bring it back to God and petition God. Because God said, he told him right there, the Lord said, I have heard your prayer and your petition. That lets us know that Solomon kept going back to God. God, I'm bringing it back to him before you again. I had seen it come to pass, so guess what? I'm just going to bring it back to you again. And that's what we should do. We should keep bringing it back to God. I have heard your prayer and your petition. I have set this temple apart to be holy. This is the place you have built where your name will be honored forever. I will always watch out for it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you follow me with integrity and godliness, as for you, if you follow me with integrity and godliness, as your father David did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father David. One of your descendants will always sit on the throne of Israel, but if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot Israel from this land, and I will give it, and I and I will give, and I, I'm sorry, then I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor the name, honor my name, and I will make Israel Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. So first, the key part, the first thing that stood out, it says, God says, I heard your prayer and your petition, meaning that he kept going back to God. He kept going back to God. The second thing that a, a big part of our devotions play in our everyday life is our hunger. It's our hunger. So first, devotions play a big play, a part of our humility and our humble heart. Second part that devotions play is hunger. Because the more that you get into your devotions, it should build a sense of hunger for more of God. It should build a sense of more, you know what, I just can't wait to get in my word. I can't wait to worship God. I can't wait to, to, to pray and to bring my petitions before God because our devotions should build a hunger on the inside of us. Instead of just having something that is a little thing that we check off and do every day, it should build a hunger. It should build such a hunger inside of you. that I can't wait to wake up in the morning and worship God. I can't wait to see what God's word says today. What is that? That's a person that's hungering and thirsting after God. And God told Solomon, he says, if you pursue me with integrity and godliness, I will keep you, on the, you and your descendants on the throne forever. If you pursue me with integrity and godliness, meaning that if you keep pursuing me, if you keep coming after me, if you keep hungering and thirsting for me, guess what? You don't have anything to worry about. I've never seen a person that's hungry for God, that's pursuing God, ever come to the position where they compromise themselves. Why? Because they're always hungering for God. All I want is God. 
So what you doing today? Praising God. What you doing to getting in the word? What you doing on Wednesday? Going to prayer. What you doing Sunday morning? Going to church. What you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with some believers. And we just just going to get together and encourage each other and pray. And what, what is that? That's a person that's hungry after God. What you listen to in your car? Worship music. What you doing? What you listen to at home? Praise music. I'm in a room dancing, moving around. When you hungry after God, there's nothing that can stop you. Man, I remember one time I was, I don't know what I was doing under the carport, I something. And I just had some worship music going. And the next thing I know, I'm on the ground weeping under the carport in 95-degree heat outside in the middle of the summer. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? It was because my heart was hungry for God. And it didn't matter where I was at. I said, you know what? I'm going to worship God. And I was out there in that carport. And I remember after it over with, I felt kind of silly. But, that, but then I didn't because I know God spoke to me and God touched me. But it's like when you have a, a hungry heart, heart that's hungry for God, man, you don't care what, you're not going to let anything stand in your way from getting in God's presence. It doesn't matter what it is, what, what the enemy tries to throw at you, what, try to, what he tries to come at you with. You say, you know what? I'm not going to let anything stop me because I'm hungry for God's presence. All excuses, all things go by the wayside because I am hungry for the things of God. And you can see a person that's hungry for the things of God. There's a difference. It's the difference between a person that's, I'm just still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to see if I want to serve God or not. I just want to see if God is really who he says he is. Versus a person that says, no, I know God is who he says he is. I've seen him move in my life, and I want more of that. When you see a person that's hungry for God, it does something. It, it challenges you. You say, you know what, I think I need to be a little bit more hungry for God myself. You ever met people like that, that you talk to them, you get around them, it's like, am I saved? Because, I mean... Man, they really love God. Like they, like, they really, really love God. They save, save. Like, and it's like, I think I, need to, I think I need to step up my hunger a little bit because it just, it just does something. On it. And what it is, is is igniting a hunger inside of you. When you get around somebody that's hunger, hungry, what it does is it, it ignites or it should ignite a hunger inside of you if you're really seeking God. And that's why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. You get around somebody hungry, guess what? It's going to make you want to hunger for the things of God as well. It shouldn't make you jealous and they think they better than me. No, it makes you say, I need to get in God's presence too. I need to get in God's words too. But devotions does that. If you don't be consistent in devotions, guess what? You lose your hunger. Your hunger goes right out the window. So that's why it's not just the little check mark that you do every day. Because what devotion does is it builds a hunger for the things of God each and every day. And the more consistent you are with that, guess what? Your hunger grows more and more each and every day. You come to God with a sincere heart every single day, your hunger for God begins to grow. And also in your seeking of God and your hunger, what God begins to do is when you seek him with a sincere heart, he'll begin to point out things in your life that says, hey, these are things that are taken away from the hunger for the things that, 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 uh, that I have for you. So God began to point out things and says, you know, you were hungry for me, but you're not hungry like you were in the beginning. It's because of this sin. And you say, oh, thank you, Lord, for pointing that out. You repent of it. You let, allow the Lord to deal with your heart. And guess what? That hunger comes right on back. He begins to point out, you know what? There's, that you're not hungry and thirsting after me like you once were. It's because of that hobby. Oh, you know what? I think I need to put the fishing pole down. I think I need to put the video games down. I need to, to, to put the, I don't know, whatever it is, shopping or whatever, I don't know. 
whatever the hobby is, I need to I need to put that down and I need to get back in God's presence. And he begins to deal with your heart and point out areas that, hey, this is still in the way for my hunger because I don't want anything to come between me and you. I don't want anything. God said, I don't want anything to come before your love for me. I want to be number one in your heart. But this thing right here is taken away from your hunger. I need to deal with your heart and allow you to say, hey, God, thank you for pointing that out. I need to release this to you. It could be relationships. You know, relationships could take away from your hunger for God. I can't tell you how many times or how many people I know that in their single days, they pursue God with a hunger, with the thirst like you, like, oh, they love the Lord. Let them get in a little relationship or let them get married. That same hunger for God is gone. What happened to your same pursuit of God? They, they, they stopped hungry because they, they were satisfied. Something else occupied that hunger for God. So instead of pursuing the God, they got what they wanted, and so they stopped pursuing God, and the hunger went away. We have to make sure that we're not allowing anything to steal away from the hunger that is only reserved for God and allow God to deal with our hearts when he points those things out, not say, you know what, I'm going to just tolerate it a little bit and just see. I mean, you know, because certain things you got to just wing yourself off. No, you know, you need to cut it off. You don't wing yourself off of it. You cut it off. You don't play with it. You cut it off. If you get a, a um, uh, that's a bad example, so I'm not going to say that. But, uh, but if you get, <laughs> excuse me, but when God points things out, you just cut it off. You don't play with it. You, you just cut it off. This is a better example. If you see a snake in your house, you're just going to put, oh, look at that little cute snake. What you going to do with it? You're going to get it out of there, cut it up, do something. We need to get rid of this snake. That's the same thing. Or you're going to run, <laughs> one of the two. But the thing is, you get rid of it. You don't play with it. You cut it off. And God begins to point those things out. Don't get comfortable with the way things are. What I believe happened to Solomon and why he lost his hunger is because he got comfortable. If God said, think about this. God told him, I'm going to make you not only rich but famous. I'm going to make you, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to make you rich and famous. And then it actually happened. How easy could it for Solomon to look back at all the things that God has given him and say, this is the life. I have arrived. Look at this palace that I live in. Look at these fine fruits and berries that I'm eating. Look at, look at all, look at these fine linens that I'm wearing. Look at all my camels and horses and chariots and all the fine vineyards that I have. Look at, look at all these servants that are down here worshiping. I snap my fingers and someone comes wash my feet. And think about all that could go to his head. And Solomon got a little bit comfortable. And when he got comfortable, his hunger for God went away. That's the same thing with us. We get a little bit comfortable. Well, you know, I'll get to God tomorrow. You know, I, I don't really feel like it today. That's the, ooh, that's the number one enemy right there. I don't feel like it. Boy, we all get the cases of the I don't feel like this. I don't feel like reading my Bible today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like worshiping today. What is that? That's a little bit of comfortable. Because when you weren't comfortable, you were hungry. You say, I don't care what's in my way. I'm pursuing God. Boy, I let you get a little comfortable. Things start drifting away from your hunger for God. Solomon got comfortable. 
and his comfortable and him being comfortable took away from his hunger. And what happens to the God that says, God, give me an understanding heart? What happens to the God that says, I've heard your prayer and your petitions? He got comfortable. Do you still pray prayers like you used to pray? Do you still believe God for outrageous things like you used to? Or did you get comfortable and say, you know what, if it happens, it happens. If God moves, he moves. But I'm just satisfied and comfortable with the way things are. Never get comfortable with the way things are. You can always grow deeper in your relationship with God. Wherever you are in your relationship with God right now, guess what? It could get a whole lot better. I don't care how great you think it is. You can feel like it can't get any greater than this. Yes, it can. You keep hungering and thirsting after God, it could get even better than what it is right now. If you feel like it's the greatest it's ever been in your life, guess what? It could get 100 times greater. You say, how was that? Because you hungered after God. And if you continue to hunger after him, he says, those that hunger for thirst and righteousness shall be what? Filled. And if you continue to hunger and thirst after him, what is he going to continue to do to you? Fill you. Meaning that it's going to get better. But you have to hunger after him. Devotions play a big part in your hunger. We can't allow the enemy to steal our hunger from the things of God. Amen? First thing, devotions play a big part in our humility. Second thing, devotions play a big part in our hunger. And this last one, this last one is actually a foundation on its own. I could have done a whole message just on this last one alone, but I just decided to include it in this. But we're going to read in 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings 11, verse 1, and then continuing with King Solomon and his life. Now, King Solomon, this is it. What did he do? He loved him some women. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Brother Solomon had the money, he had the fame, and he loved the women. He loved the women. It says he, it didn't just say King Solomon had an affinity or King Solomon, it said he loved Many, not one, many. King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married a woman from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. You must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. If loving of you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines or cucumbers, as some people would say. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to, for, to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had done. Uh, Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the, Sidon, uh, the Sidonites, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely, as his father David had done. So again, this last one is one that's a foundation in its own, is holiness. Holiness. That is a foundation in our Christian walk, is holiness. Solomon lost his humility. He lost his hunger. 
and eventually he stopped pursuing holiness. The Lord gave him a strong warning. If you stop pursuing, pursuing me with integrity and godliness, then I will turn my back on you. Then it's not going to end up good for you, Solomon. But what did Solomon do? It says that he went on to love many foreign women. And God warned him, if you do that, they're going to turn your heart towards their gods. And this man married over 700 wives and had 300 concubines. Now, how in the world is he supposed to remember 1,000 names? How in the world, sometimes you forget your own wife's name. Now, what's your name again? Uh, uh, it just slipped your mind. What's your name again? This man had 700 people, 700 women in his household. But he's supposed to be with all of them. But what happened is his love for the women turned his heart from God, and he started pursuing their gods. He stopped pursuing holiness. Devotions have a way of making you get back to the place of holiness. Because you can't get in God's presence if you're unclean. When you get in God's presence and you're unclean, you're going to feel it. Matter of fact, that's why some people might not be in church today because they, oh, I can't go to church today because <laughs> I know it's been Thanksgiving holiday, but I hadn't been living right. I need, to get, I need to get myself together before I could go back to church. You know, that's always the funniest thing to me. I need to get myself together before I could go back to church. No, you need to go back to church to get yourself together. <laughs> but that, I just need to clean some things up before I go. No, you need to begin to pursue holiness. And when you begin to pursue holiness, guess what? God will do the, is the one that cleans things up because you can't clean up nothing. You can try and try and try to get yourself together. You can't do it without God, without his presence. You need God's presence, but it takes, that's why devotions are so important. You get in God's presence. He starts to deal with your heart. I need that attitude. Them emotions, they all over the place. Give me them emotions. Those, those desires, your desires are getting a little bit off. Look at Solomon. His desires got off. Look how far he dropped. But that's what, when you get in your devotions, guess what? It causes you to put a focus back on holiness. But if you don't have devotions, you'll never think about holiness. Because in, in our own nature, we aren't holy people. Our, we have a what? Sinful nature. We're born into it. So our nature is designed to go to sin. But the more you get in, in God's presence, guess what? It redefines and retunes you to say, you know what? I need to pursue holiness. So now my outlook, my mind, my mindset, everything is different now. Now I'm pursuing holiness, and I'm not pursuing the things of the flesh and the desires of the flesh, but now I'm pursuing God in a holy way. But you need, you need daily devotions in order to help you get on track to do that. You need to start somewhere. That's with your devotions. Solomon, he got off, and he got off bad. Relationships can derail your pursuit of holiness. Number one reason people get off and our pursuit of holiness is relationships. Because relationships is another avenue for you to get comfortable, to let your guard down, to, to oh, it's, it's, oh we, we, it's okay. We're comfortable with each other. Famous last words. Nothing's going to happen. We love each other. We're going to get married one day. Famous last words. We're going to get married one day. It, it, it's going to be all right. 
And then you get down a trail of, of, of sin that you, how in the world did I get here? Stop pursuing holiness. How in the world? Th- this is what I want to know. How did he just jump from one to 700? That's a one just to 700, y'all. And not only that, but 300 concubines. How does a man go for, I just need one. To know you what, I need a thousand. Because I'm such a man, one can't satisfy me. I need a thousand. You know why? Because lust and greed are never satisfied. Lust and greed are never satisfied, and it always wants more. So when he started pursuing one, one is not enough. I need ten. He got the ten. Ten is not enough. I need a hundred. He got to a hundred. A hundred is not enough. I need five hundred. And so on and so on, they kept going because lust is never satisfied. And the more you fuel the flames of lust, guess what? The more and more is never satisfied. And the further away you get from God of pursuing holiness because you're trying to satisfy something that can never be satisfied. That's why holiness is so important. When he started pursuing the lust of his flesh, guess what? He got in himself in a situation where he, it, was, it was throwing uh, gasoline on a fire. It's nothing he could do. The house was going down. All because he began to feed into the the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the flesh is never satisfied. It's never enough. You're always going to want more and more and more. And that's why daily we got to get in our devotions and our devotion time. Say, God, kill this this flesh of mine. I don't want to play with this flesh of mine. These wrong desires, point out wrong desires in my heart that I don't even know that are there. Because, you know, you can have wrong desires in your heart and not even know that they're there. Until certain situations come out, you're like, well, why did I respond like that? Because those are the desires that were deep inside of your heart. It was there all along. You just didn't even know it. Why did I, why did I say that to that person? Because it was already deep inside of your heart. It just came out in the right opportunity. And that's why daily we have to pursue holiness and say, God, deal with my heart. Purify me. Sanctify me. Lord, let me look, because the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness, no man. So if you hadn't been pursuing holiness, how can you see, say, I've heard from the Lord? I remember this one time, this guy was telling me that he was doing an internship where you just separate yourself to devote yourself for one year to the Lord. Just all things the Lord if you're in a relationship, you break up off of that, you, you let go of that relationship for a year. It's just nothing but you pursuing the Lord. And he was, I remember meeting him at the beginning. The Lord has called me to this. I'm so excited about the Lord. And then halfway throughout the internship, uh, come to find out he was, he confessed that, he, well, he got caught, that uh, he was watching pornography. And so we confronted him about it. Came up with a plan to kind of help him get back on track and just accountability things that we were going to do just to help him get him on track. Like we weren't like beating him down or nothing like that. It was like, okay, you messed up. Let's get you back on track. A few days later, he comes back. The Lord spoke to me and told me that uh, I should go home now. So you were just doing all this. You got caught. Now you're embarrassed. And the Lord just, so the Lord called you to this. You, so, you just knew the Lord called you to it. Now he didn't call you until he told you to quit. 
What is that? That was the embarrassment, the guilt, and all that. Because without holiness, no man should see the Lord. So how have you been doing all these things for that long, but you tell me that God spoke to you, and I'm supposed to believe you? But he just quit because he couldn't handle being caught. And that's the problem with sin. Sin is, is it likes to be secretive. It likes to sneak around. It don't want to get caught because when it gets exposed, guess what? I'm out. I, I don't want to come around anymore because I don't want people to look at me funny. And that's why this key word that I want to talk about now, boundaries. When it comes to holiness, each and every one of us, we need boundaries. Some people look at boundaries as a bad thing. Oh, boundaries, that's hindering me. That's just legalistic. No, it's not. It's for your protection. Boundaries are for your protection. They're to safeguard you. They're to keep you safe. There are certain things in your life that you have to say, you know what? I'm going to have boundaries in my life because, one, I don't trust the devil. And, two, I don't trust myself. Some people put too much trust in themselves. They, they, oh, I trust myself. Oh, okay. Keep on trusting yourself. <laughs> See how that works out for you. But we need boundaries in our life. Boundaries, the, uh, we cannot take for granted the boundaries of morality or feel embarrassed or ashamed because the world's standards are different than ours. Some people don't have boundaries because they feel like, well, I don't want the world, because the world does certain things a different way, I don't want them to make me feel bad. I don't want to, I, 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 it's just, man, it, it really doesn't take all that. This is a story that, that, that happened. Um, this was years and years ago. There was a church. They were doing a live worship recording, live worship recording in front of thousands of people. So they wanted to bring in uh, a famous Christian artist to do uh, a feature on one of the songs. So in the talks with getting the, the, the Christian artist to come uh, perform, the Christian artist was like, hey, I need two tickets and two rooms, one ticket and one room for me, the other ticket and the other room for my assistant. Only problem was the assistant was a female. And the church was like, well, we'll bring, give you the ticket in the room, but we're not, we're not paying for your assistant come, to come with you. And he, what you mean you're not paying for my assistant? She travels with me everywhere. Well, that may be the case, but we're not, we're not bringing her here with you. And not only that, but he was married. And he started going off, y'all are some weak Christians. Y'all always think y'all just being legalistic, like something's going to happen. And it's like, well, the choice is yours. Either you can come by yourself or we could just call it off because we're not paying for uh, her to come with you. So he came, and it was terrible. He came, and it was lit. Like, I want you to picture this huge recording, thousands of people. I was there. I want you to imagine a huge auditorium full of people. It's live. Meaning that you can't mess up. It's live. He comes out and tries to does his, do his part, and he messes up at least 10 times. They have to, okay, let's stop. Let's start over. It got so bad, they said, we're going to have to move on and then come back to it later. He still kept messing up. It got so bad, they was like, you know, we can't even use this. They had to get somebody else to do the part that he was supposed to do. Non-famous person, a local person, matter of fact, that he got him a big break because of that. Come to find out a few months later, the guy was having an affair with his assistant. 
and he was making this big uproar about y'all some weak Christians and, and y'all this and that. And it, but he was having an affair because when he was confronted with it, he didn't like that. The flesh don't like being confronted. Anytime somebody starts giving you a lot of resistance when you're confronting out sin areas in their life or things that could potentially be, be uh, 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 like, hey, this is caution, and they start to, to, to bring back the accusations on you, oh, that's a dead giveaway. Something going, I don't know what's going on, but something going on here. That is a dead giveaway that something is going on in this situation right here. Because, because think about it. If it was truly innocent and nothing was going on, you'd be like, you know what? I understand. We're not going to do that. And just move on. But when you're trying to hide something, what, what you mean? Right? Why, why are you asking me all these questions? Yeah, dead giveaway. Something's going on. But what's my whole point in this? You need boundaries. Boundaries. That should be, especially if you're married, that should be definitely married uh, boundaries in marriage. I know some married couples are like, oh, well, well, I trust my spouse. Yeah, you should trust your spouse, but they still need boundaries. I trust my wife, but we still have boundaries. There's certain things that we just don't do. I think I might have mentioned this before. We have these, uh, this married couple. They're like our best friends, like brother and sister almost. If there's something that I need to exit uh, the, the, uh, our friend's wife, I don't just text her by myself. I include uh, the husband and tomorrow in the text message so everybody can see it. It's no secrecy going on. It's just like, hey, hey, what's going? I need to know this. Okay, and she can respond right there. It's right in the open. There's no, what you doing texting her behind my back? What y'all doing texting? There's none of that. It's all in the open. But there's certain boundaries that should be in place for your safeguard. It's to protect you. Because all the devil is looking for is just a little open door to get in to cause havoc in your life, especially in your marriage. He's trying to get you to stop pursuing holiness. And a great way to do that is to put boundaries in your life. Boundaries. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. To me, a great way to safeguard that is boundaries. If I don't have self-control, then guess what? I need some boundaries in my life. I need to establish some boundaries in my life. And there's a few things that in my life that I know we were talking to some people the other day, and I was uh, mentioning some things that I had boundaries in my life, and they were kind of like, well, why you do all that? Because I'm not giving the devil an inch. I'm not giving him a, a foot. I'm not giving him anything to get in. They said, what are some of the boundaries? One of the things is I don't meet with women alone. I don't care where it's at, in my office, and nowhere. I don't meet with women alone. You say, well, you're the pastor of the church. People want to meet with you. That's good. My wife is the pastor, too. So if you want to meet with me that bad, and you, okay, well, my wife is going to be there, too. It's not just going to be me. My wife is going to be there alongside of me. What is that? That's boundaries. Another thing, I don't eat lunch with women alone. Well, it's just an innocent business date. Well, I'm not taking, what if, what if y'all saw me out to dinner or out lunch with somebody else? How would that look? Oh, I saw the pastor at McAllister's with another lady. I don't know what's going on, but he, he was in there in the corner with a lady at lunch. I, I, I just, I don't, I'm just saying I saw him in there. How would that look? It could be innocent, but guess what? It's avoiding the appearance of evil. What is that? That's boundaries. There's certain boundaries that I've already stopped. You know, I'm not just, I'm, that's just the boundary. I'm not crossing that boundary. So that way, there's no ambiguity. There's no reading into it. No, there's, there, there's nothing there. 
because I'm not giving it. The devil does not play fair, and he will take anything that he can to flip the situation around. So I established boundaries in my life. Another, another boundary that I know tomorrow and I have is we don't watch rated R movies. I know some people say, what's wrong with that? Well, that's just the boundary that we have. Well, what about movies that you really want to see? Well, I just I guess I wait, wait till it come out on TV or something. But I don't. We don't watch rated R movies. I probably told this story before. If I have, forgive me. But we were at my cousin's house one time, and we were hanging out with him. And he has this big, huge theater room, and we were watching movies. And uh, he put on a movie, and um, and sure enough, the big rated R came up there. I said, "Oh, geez." And then I, <laughs> we and tomorrow kind of looked at each other, and I told him, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but we don't watch rated R movies. He was like, oh, oh what? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I tried to keep as clean as I can. And, uh, and then he took it off, and he put something else on, and we had a good time, and we laughed. Come to find out months later, he was talking to my dad, and the whole, the, he told my dad the situation. He said, after that, you know what? I threw away all my rated R movies. Just by standing up for the boundaries that we had, caused someone else to say, you know what, I think that's a good boundary to have. I need to get rid of those movies in my life. But boundaries are not to hinder you, they're to safeguard you. So there are certain things that you need to safeguard your eyes. You need to put some boundaries on your eyes. What are the things that you're allowing yourself to see? You need some boundaries on your ears. What are you allowing yourself to hear? Sometimes you can't even watch commercials anymore. Like, what in the world? These are commercials. I can't even watch. Like, we got to watch. If Camden is watching, it's like there's certain channels. Like, you can only watch these channels, Camden, because we know all that other stuff. I don't know what's coming on TV. I don't know what the commercials are. You, Daddy, what's this? Oh, geez. Now, we got to explain this to her because she saw this on the commercial. And so, but you have to establish boundaries. Boundaries are there for your protection, but boundaries are there to help you maintain your holiness. That is the biggest thing. Boundaries are there to help you maintain your holiness. If you want to make it the journey, the whole way throughout your life in holiness, you're going to have to establish some boundaries. Because if you have no boundaries, you free game for anything. Then there's nothing that you won't say, well, there's nothing really wrong with that. I'll indulge in that. But if you establish boundaries, guess what? It's going to keep your focus on holiness. But if there are no boundaries, then how are you going to safeguard that? You can't because there's no boundaries. But boundaries help you safeguard your holiness. Amen? So we looked at the life of King Solomon today. First, our devotions, big part they play in our lives, humility. We need to have a humble heart. We need to be uh, pursuing humility. Second thing is our hunger. Devotions help build a hunger inside of us. And the third thing is uh, our devotions play a big part in our pursuit of holiness. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. And that's week four, devotions. Man, devotions, they play a big part. It's not just something you check off. These affect every area of your life, our devotions. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the word today. And I pray that it would just get deep, deep, deep inside of our hearts today. I pray, Lord God, that we would be encouraged and strengthened by your word today as it, um, you point out different areas in our life, Lord God, in our humility. 
different areas, Lord God, in our hunger, in our pursuit of you, in our God, in our pursuit of holiness, that we would all would continue to pursue holiness, Lord God, and safeguard and put boundaries up where we need boundaries, Lord God. And I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eyes closed real quick. I just want to give one final invitation, and that's for anyone that wants to come into right relationship with God. I'm not going to try to twist your arm or give you this drawn-out speech. I just want to give you an open invitation. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. That salvation is a free gift. You just have to receive it. You just have to believe it by faith. And you know in your heart, whether you're watching online or you're in the room, you know whether or not you're in right relationship with God. And, and if you aren't, God is dealing with your heart right now. And I just want to give you an open invitation just to make it right with God, just to come into right relationship with him. Maybe you served the Lord at one point and then you stopped serving him, but you want to come back to the Lord. Whatever that may be, I just want to give you an invitation right now just to make it right with the Lord, to come in right relationship with him. So with no one looking around in the room, if you want to come into right relationship with the Lord and uh, just come and receive his forgiveness, receive his salvation, if that's you, no one looking around, just lift your hand in the room. Amen. Amen. If you're online and you're in the room, I just want you to do this with me. Just place your hand over your heart and just repeat this prayer after me. Say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me for all of my sins. I thank you for the price that you paid on the cross for my sin. Lord, it's a place that I deserve, but you took it upon yourself. And I thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed your life for me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. That's awesome. And if you prayed that prayer, we want to congratulate you on receiving salvation today. And if you're watching online, uh, there's a couple things I want you to do. Just go in the comment section. Let us know that you made a decision to follow Christ, and we would love to follow up with you throughout the week. Come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. And also, before we dismiss you guys from online, we want to give you uh, an opportunity to give. Uh, there's a couple ways you could give. You could give online at our website at newlifemobile.org. You could download our app. You could give on the app or you can mail in a check or money order. So we're going to pray for those that are prepared to give online, and then we will disconnect with you guys from online. Lord, we thank you for the tithe that's coming in today. I thank you right now, Lord God, that you would bless each and every household, each and every person, Lord God, that's giving today. I thank you, Lord God, that you will meet all of their needs, that there will be no lack in their household. I thank you, Lord God, that as they sow into the kingdom of God, that you would bless it, Lord God that it will be a blessing to those around us and the world around us, Lord God, to advance the kingdom of God. And I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'd love to invite you out to prayer this Wednesday at 630. Also, just join us again uh, next Sunday in the building at 10 a.m. for service. We love you guys. Have a great, great Sunday, and we will see you this Wednesday at 630 for prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, let's give God another hand clap of praise for that. Foundations, Lord, I thank you that we're going to 
um, have our forgiveness where it needs to be. We're going to have our joy where it needs to be, our faith. And next, we're going to have our devotions. Amen.